Welcome all to another episode of All Things Adventures in Odyssey. I'm your host, Clint Brahms, and today we will be discussing episode 946, Morning. I am so excited to be talking about this first episode of 28 Hours and 28 Hours as a whole. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. So the first mentions of album 73 that we got were, I think, somewhere between albums 70 and 71. There was a writer's Q&A where they were asked about Jillian and when she would make her next appearance. And their response was that she would not be in album 71 or in album 72. However, she would play a big part in album 73. And so that Q&A likely would have been in the first half of 2021. Then on the 1st of March of 2022, the club adventure for that month was a Drake the Cosmic Copper. And obviously Drake is played by Jason. And in one of the little extra bonus material they provide along with the monthly episodes, it said to watch out for Jason's new adventure in album 73. So kind of tipping the scales, letting everybody know that something pretty big is coming. Still, I didn't know what was going on, but then a few weeks later, I saw a podcast from uh, Michael LeFevre at AIO Audio News where he read off a newly discovered description of 28 Hours, and I was immediately like, yes, because it sounded awesome. Now, I didn't want to get my hopes up because at the time, I didn't know how reliable all of the sources were, but maybe a month or so after that, Kathy Buchanan was on the official podcast talking about As Buck Would Have It, which is obviously the album episodes that directly precede 28 Hours. And she was talking about album 73 and about how she couldn't really talk about it, but she was super excited for what was coming. And that confirmed for me pretty much, yeah, this is a thing. And then another few months after that, the writers confirmed in a QA and a the title of album 73. And that pretty much solidified in my mind that this is really about to happen. The four months between hearing about some of the details in March and then listening to the actual episodes in July, those were hard. That was a hard season, waiting in anticipation for what was coming, but we made it through. I was once again at camp when this episode came out. We listened to it, and you can't help but get pumped from the very beginning. And I went through different iterations of predictions. At first, I was expecting it to be super high-tech, like Wit and Jason infiltrating a weapons lab or something like that, or maybe the Andromeda building, who knew? But then I saw the album cover, which is obviously Jason tied up in a log cabin. And around that same time, they were talking about how it would be more cloak and dagger. So I started thinking maybe it would be a lot more rustic, kind of out in the woods or something. And that just didn't seem to have the same scale. But once you get into the actual story, the music, for one thing, is just great. It gets you right into it. You see in the very first description talk of a doctor, which we hadn't heard of before. I immediately knew that this wasn't going to be like either one of my sort of ideas of what was coming. It was going to be something completely different and something completely awesome. So let's get started. I'll start by reading the description. I haven't done that up to this point on these podcasts, but I probably will going forward at least for these six, but probably into the future as well. It's a typical morning in Odyssey. Jason needs to jumpstart a car. Connie's given relationship advice, and Jillian is late to her job at Triple J Antiques. But when Wit discovers an injured doctor, events are set in motion that lead to the longest day in the small town's history. They really play up that longest day thing, but I think it's appropriate as it takes six episodes to cover a period of about 24 hours. 
and we start right off with some great music. Well, first we start off with the normal opening, but then right after that we know that things are different, even just from the music. It's great to see them start off this story with something we've all had to deal with, jump-starting a car. Great to see Odyssey characters in that situation, and also a great way to establish normalcy. And this is the perfect normal world. Now, what do I mean by that? I know Kathy Buchanan has said that the inspiration for this episode came initially from sort of the darkest point in these episodes, which is sort of end of part five, beginning of part six. So she had kind of that point, and she used a story map to kind of fill in things, to add extra plot points to make this a real story, because every story follows a certain framework. So she said in a podcast, and I can't remember which one, but basically that she took sort of the highlights that she knew she wanted to use, and then she took the framework that every story has to go by and sort of use that to plot out this story. And so I want to see if we can kind of reverse engineer that and as we go through this six-parter kind of see, oh, this moment is this part of the framework or this part of the map or this plot point. See what I mean? So the map is nine or ten points. I'll go through it real quick. It is ordinary world, inciting incident, crossing the threshold, twist, midpoint reversal, escalation, dark night of the soul or all hope is lost, Change like never before, final showdown, and new normal. I think maybe two of these points will be a little hard to find, and there will be several twists. This is a basic sort of story framework, and it may not be the exact one she used, but I got this from John Fornoff, who Kathy Buchanan worked with on Odyssey in the past and still works with today on other things. A lot of the points on this map will be either kind of towards the very beginning or towards the very end. That's just kind of the nature of these things. So we are definitely starting in the ordinary world, and that's played up even in the album description. The next thing that happens is that Connie tries to set Jason up with Jillian, and he has a whole host of reasons why that can't be. Connie is always a matchmaker, never a match. And that calls back to a line from another episode, I can't quite remember which one, where Connie says she's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So funny, you feel so bad for her. Jason gets a call from his dad, and this is the inciting incident. Even the album description says that Jason's phone rings and everything changes. Wit lets Jason know that the shop is closed and then discovers Dr. Rusk. Now, just to let you know, I'll be spoiling this entire thing. If there's something that I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about it, even if we don't quite know that thing yet at this point in the six-parter. So if you haven't listened to this six-parter, don't listen to these episodes. I'll bring things out when I think they're appropriate, and before we get to Rusk, there is something else. We obviously know from later episodes that the burglar had only just left the antique shop when Wit stumbles upon Dr. Rusk, and that means that they waited to break in until after 8. I think later they place it at about 9.06. Now this is odd because obviously this break-in was an important part of their plan, but it would not have worked if Jillian would have just come in on time. This is a big reason why I didn't trust her for nearly this whole six-parter. Put plainly, the bad guy's plan wouldn't have worked without her help right here. So I guess they just got lucky? That seems kind of weak. But I guess there can be some coincidences in a story, or maybe I'm missing something. If you know something I don't, feel free to email me, clintbrahms, C-L-I-N-T-B-R-A-H-M-S at gmail.com. Anyway, to Rusk. Dr. William Rusk. What a great name. I didn't know what to make of him from the beginning. He's pretty suspicious, so I had my eye on him. And as Dr. Rusk talks about why he's in town, Dr. Calhoun gets name-dropped, so we should keep a lookout for him as well. 
Next, we get Detective Polehouse. He's talking about his blind date, another thing that was hinted at before this album came out, and something that we should also be mindful of. In a story like this, there's almost never just a random comment. A lot of times, things will end up tying back in to the plot eventually. I knew the blind date would probably play a part, but I didn't know who the woman would be. Polehouse interrogates Dr. Rusk. He seems very rehearsed, and that'll play out later. We'll understand the reason for that. Rusk calls himself a justice seeker, and his accent is just so great. He sounds very snobbish. And after that scene, we get some great xylophone music, and it brings me right back to the Green Ring Conspiracy. There was similar music all throughout that 12-parter. This is really the only episode we get that, but it's in here a few times. They point out that Jillian did not set the alarm, which again, massively helped out the bad guys. All of this points to the idea that she was in cahoots with them and then never gets addressed later, and I just wish it would have been. I'm sure there are explanations, I just wish we would have had them in episode. The burglar spray paints the security cameras, nice touch. I'd somehow made it my whole life without ever realizing that was a thing or a trick that people used. And because he spray painted the security cameras, that means we have only sound to go on, which is great, and I'm sure intentional, because this is an audio drama. And we finally get Jillian in episode. Jason points out that the break-in wouldn't have happened without her. Is it just that she knew everything was coming and so she let it happen? But then no, because we know she's not just sitting back and watching, because likely she would have known who Rusk is and wouldn't have trusted him later. So I think she's just doing a bad job as a spy here, and the bad guys were able to count on that. And for the first time in forever, we get Officer Burke again, which makes sense since Marshall Younger is back in the studio. Now in this scene, there is some indication that maybe Jillian did know what was coming. She wants to go with Jason to make a delivery, but no, she doesn't know, or else she would have followed him and then followed the kidnappers. Maybe she suspected things were happening and just felt like if she interfered, the bad guys would get away. I don't know, I think she still could have played offense a little more, but it is what it is. Most problems, and I say problems, I love these episodes, just so you know, but most of the quote-unquote problems I feel that I found in this story, they're not even all that bad, and you could find an explanation to just about any of them. These sort of conveniences are mostly relegated to this episode, and make no mistake, this is a great introduction, it's just that once you get to the end of the album, you see a few loose threads that I don't think were quite tied up, and the majority of those are in this episode. But again, let me reiterate, these are some great episodes. This is a great episode. We go to Jason and Wit on the phone. Jason is talking about firing Jillian, and then we get the sound of the other car. It comes straight at Jason. He lays on the horn and yells. There's a crunch. We cut to Wit. All of that is so great, so intense. Townsend Coleman is doing some fantastic acting here. That yell, whoa. Then we get Jason and Oscar's interaction. I'm pretty sure Oscar is also played by Townsend Coleman, but it's different enough to where you can barely tell they're played by the same person. And if you can tell, then that just makes you recognize how great Townsend Coleman is in the first place. And using the ambulance and everything, it's a very convoluted way to kidnap someone, but you had to lower his suspicions, and it's a neat idea to use the ambulance. And it adds time to the episode, so it all works out well. We obviously already knew that Jason was going to get kidnapped from the album cover, so the eerie music, as he's put in the ambulance, sort of lets us know what's happening. And this is perhaps crossing the threshold. There may not be an exact parallel from that map that I talked about earlier to this six-parter, but that's fine. We get more Officer Burke. It's great to see him and Pullhouse interact. And then Jillian 
finds the sweater, which Kathy Buchanan has confirmed she was just lucky in finding that. So, eh. Shortly thereafter, Jillian says that Burke's color is orange, and we'll talk a little bit more about that line in the next few episodes. Such a small line, but could it have greater significance? We shall see. And then we get an allusion to Pole House's conflict with Sky, though we don't know quite yet for sure that it is Sky. It does turn out to be, spoiler. And then they find the watch, and we get the old throwing away the thing we thought they were stealing in the first place trick. Nice. Then we cut to Wit. He's getting worried about Jason. No hospital has him. We just as quickly go to another scene, this time between Wit and Polehouse. And Polehouse says the obvious. Jason has been kidnapped. And the music after that is so great with the deep brass, and it gives me chills every time. I still remember it from my first listen, knowing this is about to be different. This is about to be great. Jillian and Connie have a little conversation, and then Jillian walks out. We get some very ominous piano music, then she's on the phone, and we finally get confirmation that there is a whole lot more to her than we thought. But is she good or bad? That is the question. And we get some awesome closing music that previews the theme of this six-parter. Just great. This is a great twist. There will be a whole lot more twists in the days to come. But that is all for now. So until next time, I'm looking forward to the adventure. Bye.